Church. I appreciate you being here, and uh, we, uh, I'm looking forward to what God, I'm hoping God's going to do something with this. It may be that he's just going to let me flop right here, but uh, anyhow, uh, man, it's been good studying it, and uh, I pray that uh, it'll be a blessing to you. Uh, Jesse said that uh, this is the time of the year where we're asking what we're going to get for Christmas. Uh, I don't do that. And uh, I, I, this is not one of those times of years where I'm asking and wondering what I get. Matter of fact, my kids, they call me up all the time. Zachary called me up this week. He said, Dad, what do you want for Christmas? I said, nothing. I got every, Is everybody all right? I'm finished to say something, and I ain't bragging, but I told him, I said, I got everything that I need. And uh, there's really not anything that's on my list. And he said, well, I, I, I'm wanting to get you something. And I, let me just go ahead and say this. It doesn't mean that I don't have wants. It just means when I want something, I go ahead and buy it, all right? <laughs> I, I, there's no use. That's like my mom. I learned this from my mom a long time ago. You can tell her whatever. She'll say, I want you to give me a list. And you can give her like three things, and she won't get any of those things. <laughs> so instead of giving you a list, I'll just go get what I want. Amen. Is everybody all right? Zachary called me up. He said, Dad, what can I get you? And I was like, man, I don't know. I, I, I don't need anything. I finally told him, I said, I said, give me some head covers for my golf clubs. Mine are tearing up. And so I think that's what he's going to get me for Christmas. If he doesn't, if he pulls one of them deals with my mama, then uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to exchange his gifts. And uh, anyhow, uh, but uh, anyhow, uh, I am thankful for this time of the year. Uh, it is my birthday, so I will tell you this. Uh, you can get me something, all right? And, uh, and uh, don't be cheap like the rest of my stinking family, all right? With the whole, this is for your Christmas and your birthday. And uh, anyhow, I just want you to know something. Uh, you reap what you sow. I, I need somebody to say amen. You reap what you sow. And uh, my parents can get mad all they want, but I only get them one Christmas gift or one gift a year, period. It's for Christmas and their birthday. All right, anyhow. All right, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel chapter number 30. Do I now? Christmas Day is my birthday. Yeah. Christmas Day, that's it. So y'all remember that, and when you come on Christmas Day, bring me something really good, all right? All right, let's take a look at 1 Samuel chapter number 30. Uh, get to 1 Samuel chapter number 30, and uh, anyhow, um, let's take a look at, a, at Scripture tonight. And uh, like I said, this time of the year isn't one of those deals where everybody seems to be, it's not for me. Uh, there ain't nothing wrong with what Jesse said and what was been done all throughout our services. I think it's perfect. But this is one of those time of years as a pastor that you get the dreaded phone calls. Amen. It seems to be that when Christmas comes around, all those memories and things that people that are no longer with us, is y'all getting where I'm going? People start struggling. People start going through difficult times. For the youngins, it's a great time of the year. It's one of those times that they look forward to. They get to open all the gifts and they have a great time. But for many adults, it's a time where mama's no longer around the tree with them. It's a time where dad, uh, maybe dad, this, isn't, this is the first Christmas that dad's not sitting around the tree with them. Uh, maybe it's the first time that uh, another loved one, a grandparent or whatever, uh, isn't going to be uh, attending their home or being there with them. And so it becomes a very difficult time for many. 
And it's, uh, it's said about the holidays that uh, a lot of suicides and a lot of people deal with depression uh, during the holiday season. While it may be exciting and happy and all of this for a lot of young people and a lot of kids, it can get to a place, if we're not careful, where it can throw us into a dark place for quite a while. And uh, anyhow, uh, I want to look at a passage of Scripture that we're very familiar with, and I, I entitled this thing, Preacher, I Need Encouragement. Uh, because I, I get into that place as well. I don't battle depression or anything like that, but uh, uh, man, I do battle with discouragement and different things of that nature. And man, this week has just seemed to be rough on me. And uh, me and Michelle started off on Monday morning and uh, my phone and Michelle's phone went off at the same time early in the morning. And uh, Miss Lucy was texting me, and it was nothing, it, don't apologize, it was nothing that she did, but uh, I, I, you know, me and Michelle heard the phones go off, and we both assumed that it was a group text. But my first thought was, something bad's happened. To be getting, is everybody all right? If, 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 if something happens that nature, that was my first inclination, was there, there's something bad that's happened. I don't know why, but this week has just been one of those weeks. My phone has rang nonstop. Uh, Brother Johnny and Miss Penny came by the office the other day, and I'm standing there talking with them, and my phone rings. And I reached over, I grabbed my phone, and I looked at it, and I, I, I shut it off because they were visiting with us. About that time, my phone rings again. I pick it back up and look, and it's the same person. I told Brother Johnny and Miss Penny, I said, I got to answer this. My first thought. Something's happened to my mama. I got a back-to-back -back phone call. Something has happened to my mama or something has happened to my father. And it turned out my brother-in-law, he said, hey, man, you kill any ducks? Like, hey, man, I want to kill you right now. I didn't tell him that. And uh, I, I answered the phone and tried to be as discreet as I could, but I was, I'm, I'm telling y'all, my heart sank. Back-to-back -back phone calls from somebody from back home. And the first thing I thought, <laughs> oh, man, this ain't good. I, something's happened to my mama. Something's happened to my daddy. And then all of a sudden, it, it, and it's just piled on. It, it seems like, hey, preacher, I need you to pray about this. Hey, preacher, I'm going through this. Hey, preacher, this is going on in my... And it's been phone call after phone call. And it's been one of those things that if it, it, I'm telling you, this time of year is not... All exciting for everybody. There's some folks that are around here. There's some folks in my family. There's some folks in your family. Maybe you're sitting in here tonight and you say it like this. Preacher, I need some encouragement. I want you to take a look at scripture with me if we can. It's a very familiar story, but we'll read starting in 1 Samuel chapter number 30. We'll begin our reading in verse number 1. The Bible says this, And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag, on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. Now just to get a little bit of background right here, Ziklag was the city that David was occupying and his men were occupying at this time. Back in uh, uh, chapter 27 and in verse number 1, uh, the Bible says that David came to a place in his heart and he said in his heart that if I stay in Israel, Saul's going to end up killing me. 
And so he went to the land of the Philistines, the enemy. He went into enemy territory. And he went to King Achish, and Achish, King Achish gave him Ziklag, which was a city that was located in the land of the Philistines, all right? And so David, this is David's home, if you will. This is where his family was. This is where all of his friends, all of his men's family, this is where everybody was. Verse number two, we told in verse number one that, that the, the, the Amalekites, they came in and they smitten it. They, they took it. They sacked it. And the Bible says they burned it with fire. And in verse number two, the Bible says, and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. This was a blessing in itself because David uh, and his, his family and his men's family was spared. I, I believe, can I say this, by the hand of God. Uh, these men that came in, the Amalekites, they did not kill everybody like David did when he, when he went into their land. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Verse number three, the Bible says, So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept. Listen, until they had no more power to weep. I, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a dark place. I, I ain't even got to get to the place where they were weeping to know this was a dark place. Their wives were gone. Their sons, their children, everything they owned was now gone. It was either taken or it was destroyed. And here they are in a dark place. And the Bible says that in verse number four that they lifted up their voice and they wept. But it says that they wept until they had no more power to weep. You ever been there? You ever been to that place where you're crying but there ain't no tears coming out? You've cried, I need somebody to help me. you cried all you can. This is where they were at. They were in a dark place. The Bible says in verse number five, and David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam, uh, the Jezreelitess. I still think that we need to rename some of these women in the Bible and men. And, the Bible, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And this is the verse, verse number six, that we're very familiar with. The Bible says, and David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. Look here. But David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. As we look at this passage of scripture, we'll look at several other places but I want you to notice that David was in a dark place, much like we find ourselves in over and over again. Now, for some of us, it may be that uh, uh, it's a place of discouragement because of those have, who have gone on before us. But I find that in my own life, <laughs> a lot of times my dark places are caused by me. I find my dark places are caused by me. Can I say this and nobody get mad at me? Uh, maybe I find somebody to agree with me. My greatest enemy a lot of times is... 
I, I, I mean, I, listen, I understand. We, we fight a spiritual battle. And, and, and we are in spiritual warfare. But sometimes my worst enemy that I wake up and face every single day is the guy that I look in, in the mirror at. That dude that's looking back at me, he's my worst enemy over and over again. And I believe that David, we'll find tonight that David was his worst enemy too, all right? I want to get into this thing, and I want to say this. Every one of us can be encouraged tonight. Is everybody all right? Everybody can. Everybody in here can be encouraged tonight. But you're going to have to look in the right places for your encouragement, right? As we look at this, I want you to notice a few things that David did, and we'll get you out of here. But I, I, I was thinking about this thing and put this thing together because uh, how many of y'all ever heard the term Murphy's Law? Y'all heard that? Well, everything that <laughs> y'all know it. Everything that can go wrong will go wrong. All right, and man, have I felt like that this week? I mean, me and the Lord had us a heart to heart this morning. All right, I mean, over something so silly. But it was a fact, it was things just building up and building up and building up that I have allowed to build up and build up in my life that caused it. And I thought, you know what? Everything seems to be falling apart all at the same time. Blow after blow is coming my way. If it can go wrong, it will go wrong. And then I thought on the way I was coming into work and I was like, man... Something's got to change. And so I went to this passage of Scripture. It's been on my heart and my mind all day. And I pray that it'll be a blessing to you tonight. I want you to notice a couple of things that you have to do if you're going to encourage yourself. I want you to notice, first of all, you're going to have to examine your affliction. You're going to have to examine your affliction. The Bible tells us here that David and his men returned to Ziklag and they found it abandoned. They found all the kids gone, all the wives gone, everything, all their possessions gone, and what was left was burnt. So you have to, first off, examine your affliction. First off, you got to look at, why am I here? For David, I want you to go back with me, if you will, into chapter 27. The Bible says this in verse number one, and David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines and Saul shall uh, despair of me to seek me any more in any coast of Israel. So shall I escape out of his hand. And so David left the land that God had promised to him. Do y'all know that David was anointed at this time to be king over Israel? He'd have been anointed back in chapter number 16. He had yet to take the throne, but he had been anointed. And here David is running for his life and let me, can I say it this way? Getting out of the will of God. God had protected David over and over again. God had watched over David over and over again, even with Saul chasing after him and Saul attacking David over and over again. God had protected him. God had shielded him. God had taken care of him. And all of a sudden, we come to a place in David's life where he says, I can't trust the Lord anymore. I'm going to do it on my own. 
Is everybody all right? Why y'all got quiet? This man, this is where he was at. And can I say this? A lot of us get into the same place, myself included. The Bible tells us that David was living in Ziklag for a year and four months. He spent in the land of the Philistines, verse number 7 of chapter 27. And the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was a full year and four months. David had gotten himself out of the will of God because of his attitude. I want you to hear me. He thought in his heart, I'm not going to be able to do this. And then his actions led him away from God instead of to God. Everybody all right? And the Bible tells us that he was in that condition for a year and four months. So not only do we see, when we examine his affliction, not only do we see a bad attitude, not only do we see bad actions, but we see he had some apathy. What do you mean, preacher? I mean that for a year and four months, he wasn't where he was supposed to be. And he was not in the right relationship with the Lord. Man. I, I, I don't know about you. Now listen, if, you, if, if the season is, I'm not trying to beat nobody up, but I'm just telling you how I am. This is what I've been going through this I look back on my life and think, man, I made some mistake. My attitude ain't what it needs to be. My actions ain't where they need to be. Boy, I found that out today when me and the Lord had it out in the truck. Are y'all all right? Y'all can get a preacher next week. Y'all can get a preacher next week that don't struggle. Y'all can get a preacher next week that don't have, don't have battles in his life. He'll come around next week. He can fix all your problems. But me, man, I realized real quick, me and the Lord got to talking, and I realized real quick, I, I, which I found out I was the one doing most of the talking in that whole situation. But I, I, I was the one that was in the wrong. Stay with me. Sometimes we put ourselves in a dark place because of, our own actions, our own attitude, and our own apathy. So before we get going any farther, we've got to examine our affliction. Why, why am I in this predicament? Now listen, it might not be because of what you've done. But in this situation and in mine, that's exactly what it was. So now I have to go back and look, why have I let myself get into this predicament? Number two, this is good. We must express our anguish. I think that when we bottle things up, bear with me a minute, it leads to bitterness, which eventually will come out. It'll eventually come out, as did mine this morning, in an outburst. Is everybody okay? Here David, he had failed to examine his affliction at this time, but he, he did express his anguish. Now that doesn't mean that he cussed the Lord out. It doesn't mean that he got all mad and he accused the Lord or anything of that nature. But over and over again in Scripture, David, the Bible says he poured out his complaint. 
David, not only did David know how to talk to the Lord and, and, and ask for blessings and all of these other things, but David know how to, knew how to take all of his problems and frustrations to the Lord too. I need somebody to hear me tonight. We've got to learn how to take our frustrations the right way, but take our frustrations to the Lord. I want you to go with me if you can to uh, uh, Psalm. You ain't got to turn there, uh, but Psalm chapter number six. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go through several of the Psalms that David wrote and, and we'll look at uh, these passages of scriptures. The Bible says to the chief musician of Neganoth uh, upon Shemineth, the a Psalm of David. And I want you to listen to what David said. O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. You been there? O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is sore vexed, but thou, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver my soul. O save me for, for thy mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of thee in the grave. Who shall give thee thanks? I am weary with my groaning. All the night make I, I my bed to swim. I water my couch with tears. Mine eyes consume because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. That's how David poured out his frustration to the Lord. The Bible tells us in uh, uh, chapter 13, Psalm 13, How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? You ever felt like that? You ever been in such a predicament and they say, God, do you even remember? I'm, I'm here. How long will thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long will thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. David was to a point where he felt like he was fixing to die. Uh, in Psalm 55, David says, Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me. I mourn in my complaint. I make a noise and make a noise. Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me and in wrath they hate me. My heart, my heart is sore pain within me. And the terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me and horror hath overwhelmed me. And I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then I would fly away and be at rest. Oh, I need somebody to help me. I, I don't know. I, I, I prayed them prayers before. <laughs> Lord, just, just let me escape it. Lo, then would I wander far off and remain in the wilderness. Selah. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Can y'all hear him? Can y'all feel what David is feeling right here? David's struggling, but yet he pours out his complaint. Listen to me, to the Lord. He poured his complaint out. Psalm 102. David said, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Hide not thy face from me in the day when I am in trouble, incline thine ear unto me. In the day 
When I call, answer me speedily, for my days are consumed like smoke and my bones are burned as an earth. My heart is smitten and withered like grass so that I forget to eat my bread. By reason of the voice of my groaning, my bones cleave to my skin. David said, I, I, this is such a burden that I can't even eat. He says, I'm like a pelican of the wilderness. I'm like an owl of the desert. I watch and am as a sparrow alone upon the housetop. Mine enemies reproach me all the day, and they that are mad against me are sworn against me. For I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping because of thine indignation and thy wrath, for thou hast lifted me up and cast me down. My days are like a shadow that declineth, and I am withered like grass. That's David. That's King David, the psalmist of Israel. Psalm 142, David cries out and he says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and with my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, he said, then thou knewest my path. And the way wherein I walked, have they privately laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about. For thou shalt deal bountifully with me. See, David learned how to express his anguish to the Lord. I need somebody to hear me. We are, we are the masters at getting mad and taking it out on somebody else that can't even help us. I need somebody to help me. Can I get a witness from my wife? Amen. Can I get a witness from my kids? Amen. We have the ability to take out our frustration on somebody who doesn't deserve it. And when we bottle it up and bottle it up, I need somebody, it's like, it's just building pressure and building pressure and building pressure and all of a sudden when the top blows, it makes a mess. We got to learn how, listen, we got to learn how to express our anguish. We got to learn how to pour out our complaint before the Lord, but be careful how you speak. Because the last thing we want to do is make accusations against the Lord. But we need to pour out our complaint. That's how we express our anguish. We need to plan our course of action. The Bible says that David. Before he moved on this, uh, the Bible says that David poured out his complaint in verse number four. They wept until they couldn't weep anymore. But here he needed to plan out a course of action. And in that, the Bible says in verse number eight, and David inquired at the Lord. If you go up in the verse before that, David said to Abathar, to uh, the priest, 
Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abathar brought thither the ephod to David. The ephod was, a, uh, uh, was something of the high priest's garment. And David, the Bible says in verse number 8, used that to inquire of the Lord. In other words, David needed a plan of action and he knew that the plan of action that was best was going to be the one that the Lord prescribed. I'm going to say it over on this side because y'all about half dead over there. Is everybody all right? It was the one that the Lord prescribed. David went back to what God had instructed. He would give them information. He would show them through the high priest. God would show them his word through that. And David went back to what he knew would be a solid plan of action. He went back to the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. I, I wrote under this, be careful who you listen to. I need somebody to help me. See, when you, when you pour out your complaint to the wrong person, you'll get a plan of action that ain't the right one. So you better be careful, and we got to be careful in, in, in planning our course of action. We got to be careful who we listen to. We got to be careful of those who surround us. The Bible says that the men that were around David wanted to stone him. They blamed him for what was going on. I need somebody to hear me right here. We got plenty of people to blame us for every, every problem that ever comes their way. We need to be careful of the people that we surround ourselves with. We need to be careful of the counsel that we take. He got the high priest. The high priest brought the ephod. He got the urim and the thurim, and he went and inquired of the Lord. And God gave him an answer according to how God worked at that time. In other words, by God's word. And then I wrote this, be careful how you respond. Be careful how you respond. David expressed his anguish. He poured out his complaint and he planned his course of action. But David made sure there was a good game plan before he took off and ran. I need somebody to help me. There's so many of us today that, man, we react before we ever request anything. Somebody does something and it, I'm telling, um, we react without even thinking. We react, we respond in such a way, in such haste that we don't even think about the consequences of our reaction. David examined his affliction. David expressed his anguish. Let me ask you this. Man, this is a tough one to ask. Everybody listening? What have you been holding against the Lord? Say, preacher, I, I don't hold anything against the Lord now. But I know you like I am. And there's times that you say, God, why? God, why did you let this happen? Or why did you let that happen? Or you get around people and they'll tell you, man, you just need to quit all that religious stuff. And all of a sudden we start looking as if God did something right. I almost had Dalton sing, you do not owe me one thing tonight. Because oftentimes we look at God like he owes us a better outcome than what we're having to live. God, why am I having to go through this? I got saved. 
Why am I having to go through this? I sing in the choir. Why am I having to go through this? I teach a Sunday school class. Why am I having to go through this? I volunteer my time in the nursery. By the way, I think God really looks at y'all like angels. Maybe a preacher tonight. Why is God? Why? I, I, I sold out. God, I surrendered my life. God, I said, here I am. Why am I having to deal with this? Question and I, are you holding something against God? We're going to give an invitation in a few moments. You're going to need to examine your affliction. Why am I in this predicament? Then we're going to need to, is everybody all right? I really believe this is, I, I, I don't know if this is, I wouldn't say it's the best part of the sermon, but maybe the most helpful and the most needed. We need to express our anger. We need to learn how to talk to God and do it the right way, but we need to learn how to get those frustrations out. Because what they do is they just build up. I need somebody to help me. I need some families. I need some mom. I, I need some husbands and wives. I let some things build up and it almost ruins your marriage because you allowed it to eat at. I, I know what I'm preaching tonight. I, I, I know that we need it tonight. So many times we allow things, just a little seed of bitterness. And it's watered over and over again and it begins to sprout. And before long it comes out. We need to learn how to go to God and express our anguish, our frustrations. Number three, you got to not only examine your affliction and express your anguish, but number three, eliminate your anxiety. Ooh, is everybody all right? Eliminate your anxiety. You have, hey, listen, we got to release what we have no control of. I'm going to say that again. We must release what we have no control of. I, I heard it said like this. My buddy Kirk, he said this to me years ago. And when I say years ago, I mean probably 20 years ago. And he probably got it from somebody else. But most things we worry about never come to pass. And we spend all that energy and all that time worrying about something that never comes to pass. We must learn to eliminate our anxiety. Release what you have no control on. Rely on the goodness of God. I'm going to say that again. Rely on the goodness of God. What do you mean? Well, we come in here and we sing God, the goodness of God, and you praise the Lord. We sing songs, say amen, and you throw your hands up. But yet when something comes up in our life, we think all of a sudden God's going to do us wrong. If God's goodness has been there, I need somebody to help me. If God is good, then he's going to be good in our life. Our circumstances may not be the best, but I'm going to rely on God's goodness. Why? Because I know His nature. And I know that God is good. And I know that God will be good to me. 
It may not work out exactly like I had planned it, but I think that if I could see everything that God sees, I found out that it works out the best. So I got to release what I have no control over and rely on God's goodness. I got to not only rely on God's goodness, but I've got to rest in the Lord's sovereignty. I had a rest in the Lord's sovereignty. What do you mean by that, preacher? I mean just give it to God and let God just do what He does. We talk about trusting the Lord and yet David was the one that was running from Saul. If there was anybody that had a testimony that God would take care of them, it was David. And yet David for a year and four months is over in Ziklag hiding from King Saul. Because he allowed unbelief to guide him. The most dangerous place you you and I can be in is a place of unbelief. Or we start questioning whether or not God can. Or question whether or not God will. Is everybody all right? Number four and I'm done. Examine your affliction. Express your anguish. Eliminate your anxiety. Let me ask you this question. Do you need to hand the keys back to God? I mean, just a thought. (laughs) But the best course of action may be you to get your keys out tonight. Not just come down here, but get your keys out tonight and say, you can have that. I'll, I'll just sit in the back seat. And enjoy the ride. All right. Lastly, embrace your anointing. Mm, Y'all got worried. Baptists in here just scared to death right now. Where's he going with this anointing stuff? We must examine our affliction. Why am I in this predicament? We must express our anguish. What what am I holding against the Lord? We must eliminate our anxiety. God, you can have them keys back. I'm just going to give my life to you and I'm going to trust you whatever you decide. Lastly, embrace your anointing. See, David was anointed to be king over Israel. David had forgot that anointing. David was hanging out in the land of the Philistines. I need somebody to hear me. This is going to be a little bit of typology, but the Amalekites, they were the whole reason that David was anointed to be king. See, Saul was supposed to kill them all. And Saul chose to save them. Kill some of them, keep some of them. So the problem, the reason that David was even anointed to be the next king was because of the same group that came against David. You reckon God had a message for David? (laughs) You reckon God might have had just a little bit of a message in there for David? When it was the Amalekites 
that came against David and his family? You reckon God maybe was trying to remind David of his anointing and where he was supposed to be? If you go into some typology, you'll find out that the Amalekites are the flesh. They're like sin. Is everybody, they're a type of sin. And so David's problem, sin attacked David to the point that now God has gotten his attention and David, it's time for him to embrace his anointing. After this chapter, as a matter of fact, David ends up back in Israel because in the next chapter, Saul is killed. And now it is time for David to ascend onto the throne. And so David must learn to embrace his anointing. Now, if we go back in the Old Testament, we'll find out that the high priests were anointed. They were anointed because they showed. God anointed them to show the presence of God with them and the favor of God on them. I need somebody to hear me tonight, you and I as a Christian and as a believer have that same promise and that same anointing on us. We have God's presence in us. That anointing comes through the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you and I. It's not some special anointing that happens on the outside, but when you and I got saved, God's presence came into us and you and I are anointed and we have purpose. And it is time for somebody tonight to embrace our anointing. God's favor is upon you. I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't care how bad it looks. God's been good to you. And if he did nothing else in your life, you could not say that God has treated you badly or done you wrong. You must embrace your anointing. Retake what was stolen from you. Resist being selfish in all of it and return to your service. I was looking at this thing. David inquired of the Lord and God said, go back and get it all. Mm, I need somebody to help me. David took those men and he started out. He had 600 men and man, they went on a march and here they are. They going to the Amalekites and they fixing to get back all that was stolen. David inquired of the Lord and God said, go. And David just started going. He didn't know where he was going. He was just going. He was headed in that direction. The Bible says they came to a brook and they were men, there was 200 men that were so weary, they were so exhausted that they could not go on any further. I read one, commentary, one commentator that said that the men were marching 25 miles a day to get where they were going. And 200 men couldn't go any further, so they stayed on one side of the brook and David and 400 men crossed over and God had somebody waiting. There was a, 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 there was a slave, an Amalekite, a slave that was sitting out there. And this slave, he told David, David and his men came upon him. And David and his men gave him bread and water. And his spirit came back to him. And he told them everything that had happened and where they were taking all the women and the children. And David and his men went to the place. And when he got there, they was drinking and they was being merry and they was eating. And David and 400 men went in and went to commence to whooping some behind. Is everybody all right? The Bible says that only 400 of them escaped. And that's because they got out of their own horses and David couldn't get to them. But David recovered everything that was stolen from him and more. Everything that they had taken, every one of the spoils that they had taken from the cities that they had, they had sacked, David got it all. 
And David returned back to his men, and when he got back to the men on the two hundred, uh, the two hundred men on the other side, the Bible says David saluted them. Those four hundred men that was with David said, "Man, them sorry jokers wouldn't even go with us over there to fight." David, why, why are you saluting them? David, why are you sharing the spoil with them? And David said, "Cause God gave us this. I need somebody. God gave us this." God was the one that defeated the Amalekites. We just got to be a part of it. Everybody hear me? God, now listen, listen. We must resist being selfish. What do you mean by that, preacher? I mean that when God blesses you, don't be selfish because they somebody uh, that's completely exhausted, that can't go any farther. And God said, hey, if God blesses you, it ain't because of you. I need somebody to say amen. It's because God gave you the victory. And you and I should name not one of us should withhold that or keep that from anybody else. Embrace your anointing. God has a purpose in your life. Retake what sin has stolen from you. Resist being selfish and return to your service. The Bible says that David went back to Ziklag. In the next chapter, Saul is killed. David returns to Israel and is anointed and appointed king over Israel. My last question for you tonight is, are you needing to refocus and reassess your purpose? Tonight, I pray this was a blessing to you. I know it, at this time of the year, things get difficult. And while I know this sermon doesn't apply to everybody, I know in my own struggle, and sometimes the struggle is me. I'm the cause of it all. And I have to examine. I have to go back and examine. God, God... Really look at my life. And oftentimes I find out that my attitude, my actions, and my apathy is what got me into this mess. Once I, once I examine that, I've got to get that right. But in doing so, I've got to learn how to express my anguish in such a way that doesn't accuse God, doesn't rail against God. I need to learn how to talk to the Lord as David did not keep it bottled up inside waiting for it to explode, waiting for it to bust and, and get all over everybody who doesn't deserve it. I need to learn how to pour out my complaint and plan my next course of action. How am I going to deal with this? The only way I'm going to deal with this is if I eliminate my anxiety. It happened, but I had no... I, is I got to release what I have no control over. I, I can't control what, what has already happened. I need somebody, y'all need to hear me. I can't control what's already happened. I can't control how I respond to it. I can rely on God's goodness, knowing that God ain't going to do me wrong. God's not out to hurt me. God's not out to punish me, to beat me down. God means good for me. Just rest in his 
sovereignty. He'll work it out. He'll work all things together for my good. And then embrace your anointing. God ain't left you. Man, I need somebody. Y'all, y'all, if you get nothing else out of this, God ain't left you. David, for a year and four months, got away from God, never inquired of the Lord, living in, living in the land of the Philistine, in the world, if you will. Had Amalekites come against him. And what did God do? Gave it all back to him. I'm going to go over to this side because I don't think you got it. As bad as David's actions were, as bad as his attitude was, as bad as his apathy was, God, grace, gave it all back to him. God's grace. God didn't, I mean, David didn't deserve it. God gave grace. God showed mercy. And not letting, y'all don't even know. See, David went, he was going to go with, man, before this whole, it got so bad in David's life that he was fixing to go and fight against the Israelites with the Philistines. And in chapter 29, the Philistine says, we ain't going to battle with that joker. He may turn on us and kill us all. And God's mercy was shown in that rejection. Because had David fought against Israel, he wouldn't have known that his family had been taken for months, weeks or months. But God allowed the Philistines to reject him and he went back just three days after his wife and children had been taken from him. God's grace, is everybody all right? God's mercy was on full display. And then God's grace, an old slave found out in the middle of a field, said, I know where they're at and I know where they're going. <laughs> Come on, I'll take you to them. <laughs> he said, all you got to do, promise me this, don't give me back to my master. David said, I ain't going to do that. <laughs> you ain't got to worry about that because that sucker ain't going to be breathing after I get it. Is everybody all right? You got to read between the lines. That's what David really was saying. You, you ain't got to worry about that. You, want, you won't have a master when I get done. Amen. And God gave David everything that the Amalekites had stole from him. Listen, and more. David was in the wrong. And yet God gave him everything back. And more. Embrace your anointing. God ain't left you. He'll never, no never, ever, ever, never leave you or forsake you. You have the presence of God and the favor of God on your life. Learn how to embrace it. Dalton, come to the piano. Heads bowed, eyes closed with me. Let's do this. How many of you come around the altar tonight? Express your anguish. Learn how to talk to God. It, it, it's okay. Don't accuse him. Don't rail on him. Don't, but learn how to talk to God. Learn. It, it's okay. Pour out a complaint.
It's okay to express frustration. Maybe tonight you need to examine your own life. Why am I in this predicament? Only you can answer that one. It's going to take you being honest with yourself. Maybe tonight you're holding something against the Lord. Why don't you come and get it right? Maybe tonight you need to hand him the keys back. Say, Lord, I I tried to drive this thing, but it's too much for me to handle. I just sit back here in the back seat, put my seatbelt on, and go wherever you take me. Maybe tonight you need to refocus, reassess your purpose, realize that God's with you. God loves you. God's favor's on you. Release what you have no control of. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for Wednesday night church. Lord, I thank you for the choir. Thank you for the good singing. Lord, I thank you for a time, Lord, of fellowship before the service. I thank you for a time in your word. Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, that as we examine your word, Lord, that I pray that we've learned how to respond to frustrations, to dark places. God, I pray that we turn back to you. Reassess our lives. Maybe we've allowed ourselves to get away from you. Which has caused doubt as to whether or not you can take care of us. Which has led us to a place of despair. Lord, we've allowed things to build up and maybe, Lord, we're guilty of outbursts against you against our circumstances and our situation. Lord, tonight I pray that we learn how to eliminate anxiety. Lord, just trust you. Just have faith, God, that you'll do what you said you'd do. You're going to take care of us. And if not, it doesn't change who you are. It doesn't change your ability one bit. Lord, I pray tonight we'd embrace our anointing. I know that's a scary word. But God, according to Scripture, you have anointed us. Through the Holy Spirit, Lord, if we're saved. So Lord, I pray that we'd embrace that anointing. Understand, Lord, that 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 has with it your presence and your favor. Lord, I pray that we know that whatever we come against, whatever comes against us, God, you'll never leave us. God, no matter how ugly it gets, when others meant it for evil, God, you meant it for good. Lord, let us trust you. Let us learn to trust you.
Let us learn to have real relationship with you. Real communication with you. God, may you become somebody's best friend tonight. Lord, thank you for loving us. Lord, thank you for a time to gather together around your word. Lord, I pray that you bless us as we go our separate ways. Lord, I pray somebody was encouraged tonight. God, I pray that you comfort some folks that are dealing with situations right now beyond their control. Put your arm around them, Lord, and let them know that it's going to be all right. There's never been a time that you've been taken off the throne. You know what they're going through. You know how they're feeling. God, may they turn to you tonight and trust you to bring them to an expected end. Lord, we'll be sure to give you all the honor and glory for it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.